This is Invisible Warrior Radio, and I'm your host, Adrian Clements, Invisible Illness Advocate and Empowerment Coach with Invisible-Warrior.com. On this show, it's my mission to provide you with simple strategies to navigate the various mental, emotional, relational, and existential challenges of living a life with chronic and invisible illness. Filled with practical psychology, empowering expert interviews, and personal insights and observations from my own journey as an invisible warrior, each week we will explore a new tool for navigating this often confusing adventure of illness with more resilience, ease, and self-love. So let's go ahead and get started with today's episode. Howdy, warriors, and welcome to Episode 7 of Invisible Warrior Radio. I'm your host, Adrienne Clements, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about the number one and most important key to having healthy relationships while chronically ill. In my practice, when I ask my clients what are the biggest challenges in their life with illness, I can guarantee that 100% of the time, one of the top three things people tell me is their relationships. Because we all know that life with illness isn't always a walk in the park. Is it ever a walk in the park? (laughs) And it certainly doesn't happen in a vacuum. And in addition to ourselves, our partners, families, and friends are also impacted by our illness. And the chronic stress involved on the illness journey can throw couples and families and friendships into new, uncharted, and often uncomfortable waters where we may feel that we don't have the tools to navigate them. From medical debt, to changes in social support, to restrictive diets that limit your ability to go out, to intimacy challenges, to -to day-to-day life of managing symptoms and treatments and more. All of a sudden, we might feel lost or stuck in what feels like a sea of never-ending challenges. But the truth is, we actually do have the tools to navigate these so-called uncharted waters in our relationships with much more confidence. And it all has to do with one thing, communication. But not just any type of communication. You see, the number one problem I hear from the couples and families who I work with is that they feel like they can't communicate about certain things. And so they come into my office with a lot of anxiety around these things that they want to discuss, and they tell me, oh, we can't communicate about this. But the truth is, they actually can communicate about it. (laughs) And when they sit down, they actually have a lot to say to one another about the subject that they feel they can't communicate about. The problem is, it's not that they're not communicating. The problem is they're only communicating halfway. For when we are in an emotionally charged or challenging conversation, We often are so caught up in what we're trying to say and we're so focused on us being heard that we forget to do the most important part of communication, which is listening. 
And there's actually a biological reason why this happens to us, why we can't seem to just focus on listening what the other person is saying when we're in an emotionally charged conversation. And it all has to do with our stress response system. Because I can guarantee you that the number one thing that causes most misunderstanding or lack of understanding in relationships is often due to what I call a whole lot of BS. (laughs) Not the BS you're thinking of, brain stress. That's the BS I'm talking about here. Did I almost get you? So let's talk about this BS, otherwise known as brain stress, a little bit more. You see, when we get into an emotionally charged conversation, the older part of our brain, called the limbic system, lights up like crazy. And this is the stress and emotion center of the brain. It's also what we call our pre-evolved brain or our lizard brain. And its job is to assess danger and safety and then to flip the switch that turns us on into fight flight, or freeze mode in case we actually need to protect ourselves. And when this part of our brain turns on, our more evolved brain, otherwise known as our prefrontal cortex, which is home to rational thought, problem solving, higher processing, and organizing information, also telling us where we are in time and space, that gets shut off. And all of our body's energy goes to the limbic system and getting the body ready to protect itself. So that means we can't actually be logical and rational when we are in stress mode. We are simply in a place of reacting from a really strong place of emotion in order to protect ourselves. Now, back in the prehistoric day, this reaction was super duper important. The limbic system developed to actually help us escape from life-threatening danger. For example, some giant predator who was trying to come and eat us. So basically, as we perceive a threat using our senses, so with our sight, sound, touch, taste, etc., our limbic system assesses the viability of a potential threat and then sends the appropriate signals to the rest of our body to take action. Now, if our limbic system determines that we could actually fight whatever this predator is that was coming at us and survive, then our brain would put us into fight mode, and we would go fighting. Now, if our brain assessed that we couldn't fight and survive, then our brain would tell us to run or go into flight mode. And if our brain assessed that neither of those options could happen and that we were actually trapped, it would send us into a state of numb immobility, also called the freeze mode. And this actually happens in order to reduce pain. If we were attacked, this mode actually sends us into kind of a state of paralysis, so we can't feel how intensely the pain would be. So, Think like what a possum does, you know, or a deer that gets caught in headlights. That's freeze mode. And this is why anxiety is not actually an emotion, but is a physiological response to a perceived threat. And I'm going to touch more on that in a little bit because that's a really important part to remember. That anxiety really isn't an emotion, but a physiological response to a perceived threat. Now, nowadays, that threat isn't always real. 
See, this part of our brain, this limbic system, still reacts with the same intensity like we're going to be dealing with predators and really intense threats on a regular basis. However, we don't have as many of those life-threatening situations on a daily basis now that we used to back in the prehistoric day. However, we do really have life-threatening situations that we get into at times, and it's really important that we have this part of our brain to protect ourselves. However, on a day-to-day basis, we're not dealing with that as much. We have more of our other daily stresses. And this part of our brain can sometimes overreact to these maybe regular daily stresses in our life and think that they're more life-threatening than they actually are. You know, kind of like some relationship stress. And that's when in relationships, communication breakdown starts to happen. And it's not to say that these stresses that we're experiencing in our relationships are not important because they are. That's why we're stressed in the first place. It's something that's important to us. However, they just aren't life-threatening, even though our brain thinks that they are. And that's not really conscious for us. We don't realize that we're perceiving this as being something really threatening. We just might feel really uncomfortable in our body. Now, Sometimes, even though we rationally know it's not true, our limbic system thinks that the person that we're having an emotionally charged conversation with is actually trying to threaten us or eat us. Yes, (laughs) even if it's over something small like household chores, and definitely when it's over something bigger like being vulnerable and asking for emotional support when you need it from a loved one. And oftentimes when we have a chronic illness or are experiencing chronic stress, the limbic system and its buddy, the autonomic nervous system, which regulates our bodily functions, often uh, they often go into what's called hypervigilant mode, meaning they have been experiencing so much stress chronically for a period of time that they unconsciously expect to experience stress everywhere on a regular basis. So sometimes little stresses feel like these huge, overwhelming stresses, which in turn can lead to more overwhelm in relationships and more communication breakdown. So know that if this has happened to you and you kind of feel like your stress response has become more sensitive and more overwhelmed since becoming ill, you're probably right and it probably has. But the good news is that there are some amazing things that we can do to naturally reset our stress response system So we experience more ease in navigating these challenges. In fact, in the next few weeks, I'm going to be releasing my first free mini video course called The Resilience Formula. And this is a totally free course. And in this, I'm going to be teaching you all step-by-step how you can rewire your stress response system using brain mind-body approaches so you can spend less time stressing and navigating overwhelm and more time creating a life you love in spite of illness. Now, if that's something you're interested in learning about and learning how to finally overcome overwhelm while boosting your body's natural ability to heal, then go to invisible-warrior.com backslash VIP and you will be able to get on the VIP list and get first dibs when the free course comes out. 
And if you get on that list, you will have, have access to the videos before anyone else. So go ahead and jump on over to invisible-warrior.com backslash VIP to sign up and get access to that free course. But today, I want to share with you all a powerful tool to help you feel more empowered in navigating relationship challenges by bringing awareness to your own BS or brain stress style in relationships. Because once we understand our default stress response or brain stress style, we can become more aware of when we're going into that mode, which in turn helps us to one, know how to cope with stress better, and two, be able to communicate about stress and overwhelm more effectively with the people in our lives. So by bringing awareness to your own brain stress uh, brain st- stress style, as well as the style of your loved ones, this is the number one key to fostering healthy and empowered communication, period, regardless if you have a chronic illness or not. Bringing awareness to your brain stress style is the key to effective communication with other people, and not just your style, but their style as well. So... Let me ask you, what do you think your default brain stress style is when you feel attacked or threatened in some way? Are you a fighter? Are you a flighter or a freezer? Or what I like to call bear, bird, deer. So let me use an example to elaborate for you, okay? Imagine you've been having a really rough flare week of your illness, or if you're a caretaker tuning in, perhaps you've had just a really rough week at work, and your partner hasn't been as supportive as you've hoped, and it's really starting to get to you. You can feel the emotional overwhelm is starting to creep in through your body. Maybe your stomach is feeling tight. You feel tension in your muscles. Your breathing is starting to become shallow and your mind feels like it's racing with preoccupied thoughts. Your partner starts to notice the obvious behavioral changes that are going on with you and say, hey, what's up? What's going on? And in that moment steps in your brain stress style or your BS style. So do you either... A, say something like, I am so annoyed and frustrated with how unsupportive you've been this week. What the heck is your problem? Why can't you be more supportive and engage in a heated exchange? B, say something like, oh, it's nothing. I'm just feeling tired and really need to go take a nap and hightail it out of there as fast as possible to avoid that conversation and leave your partner wondering what's going on. Or C, feel so overwhelmed that you completely shut down, say nothing, and feel stuck. Your partner may be asking you what's wrong, but your mind feels blank, and your body feels tired and limp, and it's hard to talk. The more they inquire, the more overwhelmed you feel. So when you think of those three options to that situation, what do you think might be the option that you might go into? Or what would be the one that would be closest to the response that you find yourself in, in your default brain stress style? If you chose A, most likely your default style is the bear or fight mode. 
Now, there is nothing wrong with this being your default at all. In fact, in life-threatening situations, that's a pretty good default to have, right? But in relationships, it can make things messy sometimes. So fostering awareness that this is your default style allows you to check in with yourself and ask, one, am I safe in this moment? Is it okay for me to not fight? Okay, I'm safe. And then two, do I really need to protect myself by fighting right now? Okay. Now, if you chose B, then most likely your default stress style in your relationships is bird or flight mode. So once again, there's nothing wrong with this style. It's just your norm for your stress response. Things get stressful and you might kind of want to run away from them. But over time, avoidance can be a slow relationship killer. Becoming aware that this is your default brain stress style really allows you to check in with yourself and ask once again, am I safe in this moment? Because it always comes down to safety with stress. Whether you consciously realize it or not, your body thinks that there is a viable threat that is happening. So we have to remind ourselves that we are safe. So reminding yourself, am I safe in this moment? Asking that. And then asking yourself, will I be able to survive this relationship challenge if I stay present and don't run away or avoid this? If the answer is yes, then it's just about coping with that stress that you're feeling. Now, if you chose uh, option C, which was the feeling in complete overwhelm mode, like you're shutting down, like you can't talk. Most likely your default brain stress mode is the deer or freeze mode. And this mode is the most challenging of all the default stress modes because it carries with it a feeling of paralysis, not just on an emotional level, but a physical level. You can actually feel paralyzed by the overwhelm. And bringing awareness to this allows you to ask yourself, once again, am I safe? And two, how can I make myself feel safe right now? So before you get judgmental on yourself about your brain stress style, because I know we all do, we're like, why do I react this way? Why is that my default style? First, I invite you to remember that one, this is a primal animal response. This happens by default and is often out of your control. So don't fret, warrior. We do the best we can, and sometimes that looks like getting stressed out. Two, your default brain stress style has been wired into you for a really long time. Actually, since you were a wee little baby, you first started learning how to regulate your own stress response from your mom. But if you've gotten a chronic illness as you've gotten older and things, or you're a trauma survivor, then your stress response default most likely has been impacted by those events. And they may have shifted or become more intense, or you notice you get into overwhelm more easy. And if your chronic illness affects your nervous system, well, then it's definitely probably impacted your stress response. So basically, this is something that is wired into you and not fully within your control. So be gentle on yourself, warrior, in terms of your default stress response style. This is just the way that you're wired. And we are all wired with stress response styles because congratulations, we're human beings.
But like I mentioned before, the great news is there are things we can do to actually rewire that system. And like I said, I'm going to be sharing more of that in my new free upcoming mini course called The Resilience Formula. So if you want to get on that list, just go to invisible-warrior.com backslash VIP to learn when that free training comes out. So now that you have a better idea of your BS style or your brain stress style, I want you to think about your partner or your parent or your close friend whom you experience overwhelm or stress with occasionally on this journey. What do you think their default brain stress style might be? Are they a bear? Are they, do they go into fight mode when they get stressed out? Are they a bird? Um, do they go into flight mode and fear so they have to kind of get out of the situation? Or are they a deer? Do they kind of go in that deer in headlights look and seem like they're frozen when things get really stressful? I want you to think about that. What might that person's style be? Now, you might be asking, how will knowing about these stress styles actually help my relationship and improve my ability to authentically connect and communicate with the people I love? Well, one, it's not usually productive to have a challenging conversation when you're feeling stressed out because your lizard brain cuts you off from that prefrontal cortex, which is your logic, problem-solving, rationale center. So trying to have a logical conversation between two people that are in their stress brains, uh-uh, it ain't gonna happen. This is why usually why people come to see me in therapy is because they're constantly communicating with each other from the stress brain level and they feel like the other person can't hear them and that they're not being understood. Okay, so... The most important thing is to, one, become aware of your default stress mode so you can start becoming aware of your own behavioral and bodily sensation cues that are telling you that you're reaching your stress threshold. Now, those cues are different for each of us, but there's some common ones that are the same, usually where you're feeling tension in your body, um, if you're noticing that you're having any of the specific sensations of your body. So if anything that you're noticing associated with touch, taste, sounds, things that you're hearing, etc., all of that can play a part of it. So how you're responding to sensations. So learning into what your stress threshold looks like and what the cues are that you're getting towards it is essential because this is your cue that you have to do some self-soothing to help your body calm down. Because remember, anxiety is more a physiological response to a perceived threat than it is an emotion. So you have to calm the body down. Now, the second way that this helps in your relationships is by becoming aware of your loved one's brain stress style, you start to learn their behavioral cues as well that let you know that they have reached their stress threshold. Now, if either you or your loved one are in their kind of BS, brain stress style mode and are flooded with all of these stress chemicals surging through their body, well, I'm going to tell you, the conversation that may be trying to be had then is not going to be going as hoped, guaranteed, because neither person is able to actually hear what the other person is saying because the part of their brain that processes that is cut off because of all of these stress hormones. So what do you do instead when you need to talk about something and it honestly 
doesn't matter what the subject is. That's what I talk with my clients about all the time. It's not about the context of the subject. It's about how we talk and communicate about it. Okay, so when you realize that you want to talk about something, but you also recognize that this isn't a good time for either you or your loved one because somebody's in their kind of brain stress style, what you have to do is whoever is experiencing the stress, which is honestly most likely both parties, at least a little bit, they need to do something to help themselves get back into their body. And I usually always suggest that both parties do this because stress is involved on both sides. So you want to get back into your body because when stress and anxiety take over, we get so far into our head and our body starts to just react on autopilot to these things. Our thoughts start to race and then they're fueling this stress response that's happening in the body and they're keeping that stress response going. So having to get out of our head, having to let go of the thoughts that are going on and simply get back into our body is key. So to soothe the anxiety and get back into the body and out of the head, the easiest way to do that is simply to breathe and take a deep sigh. (sighs) Because when we sigh, we actually send a signal to what is called our parasympathetic nervous system. And this is the brakes of our stress response. Okay, so this is essential to helping us calm down. So a simple breathing practice I often teach clients when we're first beginning to learn about kind of grounding practices to bring us back into our body and rewire our stress and nervous system is to do a rhythmic breathing pattern. So what you do is actually breathe in through your nose for three seconds, you hold the breath for four seconds, and then you breathe out of your mouth for five seconds. So once again, let's breathe in through your nose for three seconds, hold for four seconds, and then breathe out of your mouth for five seconds. And the reason that we do this pattern is because that breath outward is what is activating the parasympathetic nervous system, those breaks again. So the longer we breathe out, the more pressure we're putting on the brakes of our nervous system to help us calm down. Breathing in actually activates the sympathetic nervous system, which is the gas that puts us into fight, flight, or freeze. But the breath out, which is why we do it for longer, puts us on the brakes. And this rhythmic breathing is really essential for deactivating the stress response system and starting to get the body and the brain to calm down and come back to full awareness and functioning. Now, rhythmic breathing is just one way to help your body process and release stress. And you do need to do it for a little bit of time too. So you need to do it for a couple minutes to help your body calm down. Um, Now, there are tons of other things and tools out there to help us get out of our head and back into our body to be able to process stress. And I have a whole bunch of tools I'm going to be sharing with you all over the coming weeks. So if you want to learn more about these tools that will help you get back in tune with your body, that will help you rewire your response to stress, then I invite you to subscribe to my email list at invisible-warrior.com so you'll get the info sent straight to your inbox when I do live streams or when I've got a podcast coming out on these different tools. Now, 
Once you and your loved one are kind of out of the brain stress mode, things have calmed down a little bit, you're feeling a bit more calm in your body and in your mind, and you feel that your brain isn't racing on these thoughts anymore, you just feel a little bit more centered, then that is a really opportune time to begin to conversate about whatever it was that was causing the anxiety in the first place. Now, reminding yourself that you're safe when that you're having that conversation is really essential so that you don't go back into anxiety mode when you're talking about it. And using these things like breathing patterns and um, grounding techniques actually when you're having the conversation can also be really helpful to help reduce any stress that may come up. And once again, I'll be sharing a lot of very specific techniques over the next few weeks. So stay tuned. And you would be really surprised about how powerful learning about brain stress awareness is for both individuals and couples and families. I have seen couples and families go from feeling in complete overwhelm and disconnection, like their relationships are falling apart, to learning this and understanding this and embracing this in their communication style and moving to a place of being able to foster much deeper compassion and understanding for one another and a much deeper authentic connection. It's pretty powerful and really amazing. And so that's why I say this is the number one key to having healthy relationships while chronically ill. Because the more you're in tune with your own stress response, one, the better you're going to be feeling health-wise because stress is a huge issue in leading to more inflammation. And inflammation is a huge um predictor of chronic illness and is involved with most chronic illnesses have a root with inflammation somewhere on there. So by reducing your stress, you're also helping yourself heal and you're healing relationships at the same time. So this week, I would like to challenge you to try to bring some non-judgmental awareness to your own stress response style, your own BS style, and to the style of the people that you love and interact with on a regular basis. So I invite you to really take on the observer role instead of a role of judgment. Simply just be an observer and bring awareness to what situations ignite your stress response. What are the situations where all of a sudden you notice that you're, you start feeling the sensations of stress that are happening in your body? And what are those sensations that you feel? What are those cues that you're going into stress mode? And then I want you to start thinking about what self-soothing activities actually help you to come down out of that response? Because you probably already know a lot of tools that help yourself. So what are some of those things for you? Then, the next time you have a challenging conversation or have to have one, an emotionally charged conversation with someone you love, take time beforehand to actually proactively calm your nervous system by doing some rhythmic breathing and self-soothing activities. Next week on Periscope, I'm going to be doing a live stream where I'm going to be sharing some of my favorite self-soothing relaxation strategies for moving out of brain stress mode. And these are all brain, body, mind approaches that integrate and rewire our stress response system and our nervous system. So if you are on Periscope, I invite you to come follow me. I'm having so much fun on Periscope and doing these live streams, and it's just been a real joy to get 
to interact with so many of you all in live time. So um, if you're on Periscope, come follow me at The Invisible Warrior, all one word together, um, to tune in and practice with me. I would love to see you all there and hear about some of your self-soothing strategies that you like to do to help calm your stress response and nervous system. And remember, becoming aware of your own stress response and that of others takes time. So you're not going to be an expert in doing this with yourself or all the people you love overnight, okay? So be gentle with yourself and your loved ones as you learn more about your own unique stress styles. For the more you can learn to manage and cope with stress, the easier and more confident you're going to feel in navigating the many challenging relationships obstacles that come along with living a life with chronic illness. Okay, so have faith. And I'm excited to hear more of your stories on how using this technique has improved some communication in your relationships. All right, that's it for today's episode, Warriors. Thank you so much for tuning in and making space for me in your podcast feed and for all of your incredible support every episode. And a special thanks to Frederico 7 Music for producing our theme song. See you next time. <laughs>